Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jordan Bohannon. Jared Stansberry. It's Jared and J-Bo on Iowa Everywhere. This is Iowa Everywhere. Yo, welcome into the podcast. It's a big week. Big week. The big games on Sunday. Reminder, we're going to be out at Wellman's hanging out with everybody, watching uh, watching the big game. Are you excited, Jordan? I am. Hopefully, I have a win of myself earlier that day, and then we kick it. I'm excited. Yeah, we're going to kick it. Uh, I'll probably be out there sometime mid-afternoon. So, anyone, anybody who wants to uh, pull up, I think Chris Williams is going to be out there for a little bit. So, everybody come on out and hang out with us at, at, uh, at Wellman's out in West Des Moines. Uh, Iowa's got a big game tomorrow night on th- coming up Thursday night against Purdue. Uh, we're not going to talk a ton about Iowa State today because we're recording this at uh, 4.15 on Wednesday. Obviously, Iowa State plays uh, tonight against West Virginia. So we'll talk about Iowa State and Kansas a little bit later. But we're going to lead things off with the Hawkeyes here on the podcast in this big one tonight with, uh, with the National Player of the Year favorite, Zach Eady and the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, coming off a win over Illinois on Saturday, obviously some controversy before the game, but um, able to get a big win over uh, over one of your rivals. What uh, what do you think coming out of that one? Another game they needed. You know, we keep talking about <clears throat> towards the end of the season. These are games that you must win, home games, conference games that you have to pull out and get the victory, no matter how hard it is. And right now, it's just you know, taking game by game as cliche as that sounds and stacking W's because every win at this point is going to matter big time on their on NCAA seating, on Big Ten conference seating. Um, so, yeah, they're, it's crazy. The Big Ten has – there's so many teams in the middle of the pack. Like you could literally go from being tied for third all the way to dropping down to realistically down to 10th in the league, which is kind of crazy, but – um, I'm not shocked. I, I, I do think the league's a little down this year. Obviously, Purdue will be an outlier. There's just a bunch of pretty okay teams this year, and I think that's making conference play a whole hell of a lot harder this year, too. Did you uh, see that performance coming from Tony Perkins? I did. Um, I think what you have to know about Illinois is they – when Underwood first got there, they're notorious on pressuring the ball. They denied – all passing lanes and so the drive was always open um so I, I remember when we played them we were big on back cutting and um keeping your dribble alive so i knew if tony was able to continue to keep his dribble alive and fight off the pressure that there's going to be a lot of open lanes for him to get down towards the paint and he loves that little you know 12 footer fadeaway shot and man, he was he was cooking. I I was happy for him. I think he needs to be that type of player for them to make that deep run in the NCAA tournament. Um, and I mean, obviously, the first first part is just being able to get to the NCAA tournament. That was one of the games I needed to get. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just good balanced game though, where you get 32 from him, you get 19 from Chris Murray, 13 from uh, from Rebracha. I mean, it just gotta gut some of these games out. You know, it's like it doesn't matter what the math equation is to get there. You just got to figure out a way to get there. And uh, I mean, they've been able to do that more often than not here, especially recently. Yeah, especially this time of the season, there's going to be a lot of ugly basketball. I mean, obviously, people that are watching college basketball right now, there's 
probably one good game out of 10 right now just because everyone's all beat up everyone's hurt um people are playing two to three games in six day spans right now i don't know if Iowa's even going to play their minnesota game so their schedule might be even more condensed i don't know what the status is with minnesota being out with covid with their last game so it's going to be interesting to see how the big 10 shakes up with obviously northwestern had some issues now minnesota does now yeah i saw the gophers had the coven i are, are we sure the gophers just don't want to play anymore i don't okay before the year i had uh one of my friends asked me give me your hot take for college basketball this year and i said that jacobson was on the hot seat and i don't think that was a terrible take at the time but now it's even looking more i mean i would imagine he the problem with minnesota though it is impossible for whatever reason to get minnesota recruits to go to minnesota i don't know what is so hard because there is a ton of talent that comes out of the twin cities that comes out of the state of minnesota but and for whatever reason they struggle year in and year out to get those in-state recruits and keep them in state so I thought Jacobson was going to be the guy. I really did. I, I think he's a great coach. I think he's a great person off the floor. But, man, I I did not see this coming with Jacobson taking over Minnesota and seeing where they're at now. Uh, obviously, I'm not from Minnesota, but what I do know of the dynamics there, uh, it's a pro sports state for, for one thing. So I think there's not as much of a just general allegiance statewide to the Gophers. Like if you're going to make people pick a college team, a lot of people are going to say Minnesota, but I don't think that anybody's as steadfast in it as what they are for the most part in the state of Iowa. So that certainly is a contribution. I think it probably comes down to like, what's the expectation for Minnesota basketball? Cause they haven't been very good for a while, for several years now, you know, and then they just fired a coach and it's gotten considerably worse. So it's like, unless you know you're going to go and get a very specific guy and get the right guy, like what are the odds that you're going to be able to, you know, it, you're kind of sitting in a rock between a rock and a hard place. It's like, well, this has not certainly gone very well for us the last time we fired a coach. So how much confidence do we have that it's going to go that much better if we just go and fire him, you know, after two yeah. years. The funny thing is too, Patino gets fired and he's killing it right now at his other school. And then Jacobson comes in a really great coach. And I really thought their things going to get turned around. I don't like that excuse, though, of it being like a a professional-centric state because if you look across the board, there's states that get talent, right? Like, it's not – I understand what you're saying with the fact that, you know, guys and obviously boosters and there's more funds coming to come into schools that are more heavily dominated by team or by places that don't have any professional teams nearby, but man, you would think as big as a school University of Minnesota is, they would be able to – attract someone a, a top recruit within the last five years within i mean i think they've had a couple isaiah washington was a huge prospect out of um i think new york and they brought in and but he turned out to be a bust i don't know where, where he's at now but i don't know man i think minnesota is a it, it, it's a good it's a good destination for a guy to with a mindset that wants to change a program and change the culture of what has happened the last decade. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been 10 years since they had like Joe Coleman and uh, Rodney Williams. Like I think all those guys were from Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Andre Hollins. No, he's from Tennessee, but a lot of these guys were from Minnesota. The ones that were on their, you know, they they went to the NCAA tournament a couple times with Tubby Smith. Yeah. but even then, like, they never were – I'm trying to see what's the highest that they've finished in Ken Palm in the last 10 years. They had some good teams with Tubby. I think Tubby did a great job when he was in there to right the ship a little bit. But Yeah, I mean, they've only been to two NCAA tournaments in the last 10 years. Which is fascinating to me because you think University of Minnesota, I mean, that's a pretty dominant school, like I would you would think, right? Since, since 2000, they've been to one, two, three, four, five, six NCAA tournaments. It's crazy. With how many teams the Big Ten gets to, like, you get six to seven, eight some years. Mm-hmm. They couldn't sneak in more than five, five or six times the last 24 years, 23 years. 
And it's even crazier they went to the Final Four in 1997 and then have only gone to six tournaments in 25 right. years. Yeah. Like, that's – yeah, that's pretty crazy. Somebody fix Minnesota basketball. Who's the guy? Who's the guy who could fix Minnesota basketball? I think they're stuck on the Nebraska football – try to write this ship strategy like they keep hiring these coaches they keep thinking it's going to be better and it gets worse and worse and worse and they keep trying the same thing over and over again and some schools it works obviously it hasn't been working with those two schools yeah they got to find somebody who's like a minnesota guy we need kevin garnett to go and coach the, that would the be, gophers that'd be crazy that they would at least, at the very least, be very entertaining. I don't know how good the team would be, but they would be tough and they'd be entertaining. And that's basically, I think, anybody would really, really need. That'll pack the seats at uh, at the barn. Uh, all right, let's talk about this game against Purdue Thursday night in uh, for Iowa. Obviously, you know, everybody knows how difficult of a matchup this is just from a, a pure personnel standpoint. Uh, and you have to go on the road to Mackey Arena. Which which one is more intimidating, having to go and play at Mackey Arena or having to guard Zach Eady? I don't know. On a Friday or what is it? Thursday. Thursday night. It's going to be tough. I That is one of the most hostile environments in all of the country. So on top of having the national play there, who's averaging literally 30 and 20 almost, like, it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough out. I would, I would imagine Purdue pulls out the victory. I'm obviously rooting for my Hawkeyes, but man, tough, tough place to be at this time of the year. Uh, how do you anticipate the Hawkeyes will try and defend Edie? What will be the strategy if you had to guess? Um, I would imagine they're gonna be well over towards the ball on help side. Um, so look for corners to be pretty open by Purdue. I would imagine Edie's going to do a pretty good job of finding their shooters. This And this was the thing about Purdue. I know we talked about this early in the year that I, I was struggling with how good Purdue might be because they didn't really have shooters, in my opinion. And they've had guys step up. Gillis, I think he had nine, eight, eight or nine in a game. Morin's playing really well. Smith's playing really well. Um, obviously, lawyers playing really well. They have a lot of guys that have stepped up big time. So, I would imagine Iowa being well over towards the ball. Edie will have a good good night for assist. And if Purdue shoots the ball really well, like they kind of have been this year, it's it's going to be a tough win for Iowa. But Purdue runs so much stuff. Their swivel action that we talked about a few weeks ago it's it's so hard to guard because everything is centered towards their big guy getting the ball, and he's going to touch the ball every single possession and when you're so centered about having a seven five guy down in the paint, you're gonna have open three three point shots by the opposing team. So it's it's really gonna come down to how well Purdue shoots the three point ball, how close of a game it is, in my opinion. Yeah, and how well Purdue is playing uh, often is dictated by how often they are getting the ball to Edie and then doing things off of that i thought even in their game against indiana the other day there were some stretches where the the guards tried to do a little bit too much like they have the biggest cheat code in the sport give it to the big fella that's like all you have to do you know and sometimes they just you can see their guards start to get a little bit uh, a little bit crazy with that so you know if you're from a iowa fan perspective or something like that the more that you can see those guards doing things that's probably the better i would ra- much rather make Purdue's guards beat me than let the big man get 40 and 25 on me exactly and coach mccaffrey preached this all the time when we play purdue and why we had kind of good ex- success playing against purdue and beating them a lot of these years when i was playing is we put a lot of pressure on the guards and i would imagine this is something they do again when they have the ball and make their life miserable to try to get their offense going. So we'll probably see a lot of pressing by Iowa. We'll see a lot of pressure by their guards. Tony will be up in the ball. Aaron will getting after it. Um, freshman comes off the bench. He's going to be getting after face guard and full court. They're going to make the opposing guards lives miserable by doing everything they can to deflect passes, not let their offense be flowed right and ultimately try to limit touches with Edie. But at the end of the day, they're going to get the ball inside. It's going to basically come down to rebounding and three-point shooting. And then every time you get an opportunity, get out and go. (laughs) Right. Yep. Um, Try and try and run the big guy into, into the ground. Uh, I know a lot of, I've never been to Mackey arena, but I've heard a lot of, 
a lot of people talk about how it's one of the most intimidating places to play in college basketball. What is it about that place that makes it hard to play? Obviously, like the people, when I ask you that question, the people is like what makes it is just generally what makes it tough. But is there anything unique about that place that's that's uniquely tough? Yeah, it's kind of a bowl shape. So you really feel like everyone's the lower bowl is kind of like court level. The court's a little bit raised up. Um, but everyone's kind of hovering over you while you're playing, which is kind of like Breslin. I obviously Carver's a little, a little bit like that too. So it just makes the the sound just carry and makes it really loud. Everything echoes. I remember when we'd be shooting around, um, during shoot arounds, when we get there, I would always dribble the ball, um, being a point guard, just finding dead spots and posing courts. So I was always big on that. And I remember Mackie, especially when I would dribble ball and obviously there's no fans there or anything. It was just our team there. And, and, um, when I dribbled the ball in the middle of the court, this exact spot is so weird right under the, the jumbotron in the middle of the floor, it would like make a really high pitched squeaky noise and everything would echo across the uh, arena. So that kind of, I mean, it's not nothing compared to what a full arena at Mackey was like, but that kind of explains the kind of how the sound just carries everywhere in that place. And fan, the student section's right on the opposing bench as well. So right from the tip off, you're having fans scream everything about your family. They know everything. Uh, speaking of student sections, we never addressed the uh, controversy with Illinois fans last week. Uh, you had basically predicted that that would happen. We recorded the podcast, and then it, that story broke like two hours later. Uh, do you feel better, or do you feel vindicated that Illinois immediately did something to back it up, how weird you said that they were uh, on the podcast last week? It was almost like it was destined to happen, how – the conversation me and you had, the fact that happened hours later, you can't write a better script for J Bo and Jared podcast. Right. It's unbelievable. Right. But right. it made me feel better inside. I felt like I I backed up, I had evidence to back up exactly what I was talking about. Uh audacious moves on on the part of the Illinois student section. Uh certainly some very bold some bold claims uh, made at certain times, some bold things said. There's been a lot of people who have talked about that uh, already. But I, I I don't know, man. It's just like college sports at its finest. It's one of those stupid things that we'll talk about for a long time. We'll make that game really memorable for no reason other than the fact that the Boys and Girls Club of Cedar Rapids got to go because the Illinois student section was a bunch of morons. And they were treated like royalty, like everyone expected. Iowa did the perfect PR move. Yeah, I mean, they had the kids waving on camera during a halftime or end of a – during a timeout. It's just – it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Rare rare P, PRW for uh, Gary Barta and the boys over in Iowa City. Yeah, well, that didn't last long, though. It did <laughs> – it did not last long. What, uh, 24 hours, I think, basically, uh, before they announced that Brian Ferentz would return as offensive coordinator next year. How did you react when you saw that? I wasn't shocked. I figured he was going to come back. It was more of how it was announced, right? Like, you have you have a guy who's just getting crucified by Iowa right now, by media members, by fans, by, I mean, some opposing teammate or by teammates that – have said stuff in the past and they announce it that way about how there's like a minimum requirement, how many points you have to score all this stuff. I just felt like it was, they could have went about it in a better way. Mm -hmm. I think they went about it in the worst way possible. Yeah, I think that was fair. Uh, putting out the the amended contract, like it's the NCAA 14 coaches goal screen. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not the vibe that you want if you're a, if you're an offensive coordinator. If you're a coach across the country, you're like, woof, that's not ideal. Uh, also, probably not ideal when you have like the worst offense in college football and you say, okay, we need our offense to be better. What's the benchmark we should set? How about if we're just like marginally better and we go from just being horrendous to being pretty bad, you know, or being a little bit better than really bad? It, and that's just the standard 
I don't know. Just a weird deal. It's like they said, how many, it's like they're, they're like, hey, we got to put these benchmarks in this contract, you know? I, Somebody's like, Kirk, how many points should Brian average next year uh, to keep his job? So, well, how many we average this year? 18, whatever it was. Just add a touchdown to it and call it good. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody had any idea what that meant, like how, what, how good the offense would have to be in that case. I did see that Iowa, if they'd scored 25 or more points, they'd been like 11 and 2 or something like that. So maybe there was more to it, but it was just, it just was weird. It just seemed like a really odd way to go about it. But also, how many times have we seen Iowa be less transparent than they probably should have been? So, like, can you really knock them for being more transparent than what they should have been in this type of scenario? That's true. I mean, how many times have people screamed at the top of the mountain about that and they're as, as transparent as they can be now about their contract? The, well, yeah, I think uh, ever since they uh, – I think they learned their lesson from when they gave Fran the extension that one year and then didn't tell anybody for, like, six months until someone did an open records request and they're like, oh, shit, they gave this guy a contract extension. <laughs> I forgot about that. that was like my yeah. sophomore year, I think. Right. Like when you, it was kind of at that point where you guys were right on the verge of like flipping it back, you know, going right. back the other way. But it was like, there was enough people who were getting annoyed that that became kind of a mini story. And it was just like, it, it was just funny the way, because it was one of those things that like, everybody's like, I mean, if you want to give them the extension, like no one's going to argue with that, but it just is like, why hide it? Like when you hide it, it makes it seem way more shady than what it is. You know, I always do find, find there's always comedy. And when you face the, like the postseason play, you see all these coaches getting bonuses and everyone's just like shocked. Mm-hmm. Oh, he won 20 games. And he got a hundred thousand dollar bonus. Why didn't we know about it? I just, oh, I it's was, right there. It's right there <laughs> in the contract. It's right there spelled out the contract, man. I don't know, oh, man. man. I think I think the whole Iowa situation, I just I think they tried a little too hard. Like they wanted yeah. to seem they're doing they want to seem they're doing well, but Oh yeah, they wanted to prove to everyone that but look, we did something. <laughs> See? Like everyone's like, Oh, why aren't you guys doing we did something to Brian. We took money away from him, whatever it is, like fifty thousand dollars or something like that, isn't it? Yeah a drop in the bucket when you're making a million, uh, basically. Uh, and then they're like, we gave them these benchmarks and they're like the easiest benchmarks that anyone could ever have to clear, you know, or it, it should be for a power five office coordinator. That's just, yeah, it was very much a word. They knew people were going to be pissed that Brian was going to be coming back. They said, we have to do something to make it look like we did something now you know, and when in reality, they really didn't do anything. So that's like, I, I don't know. It just is a weird deal, but they had just handled things weird all the time. So it just the one thing is too, like the benchmark of points per game is 25, right? When they yeah, went de- in the and, defense. Yeah. What if the defense scores points? Oh, that's true. I didn't think about that. Does that, does that count towards the offensive coordinators points? Right. Cause at that point, if like if Phil Parker's defense all of a sudden, hypothetically, I think they scored seven defensive touchdowns this year. If they score 10 and they give him another boost of those extra 20 points or whatever, I mean, he should get more money. Phil Parker should sit there and be like, where's my amended contract? I want a better contract too. More money or a nice gift basket sent from Brian. At Farrington the very least. Yeah. At the very least. You yeah. should at least get a nice meat and cheese platter. Yeah. Chicory board or something like that. Like Yeah. Yeah. So there's just certain, there's a lot of things about this. It's like, we're going to be uh, transparent, but to a point. And then after that, we're not going to be any more transparent. And then anytime that anybody gets asked about this in the future, they'll say, well, we put out our statement. We have nothing else to say about it. I am excited to follow it next year, especially when we're doing this podcast and we're just like tracking the average per points per game. And we're at like the 10th game and he may, let's say he's at like 24 and a half. I feel like something like that's going to happen next year. Who do they play in their season opener? You're way ahead of the gun on me. I don't know. Oh, football. I don't even think I've checked. Uh, Utah State. Okay. Utah Man. State, then at Iowa State. Then I West can't. Michigan. I can't decide if it would be a better story if he came out and they scored like seven points or if they came out and scored like 50 you know and then 
after that, it was a slog the rest of the way, you know, <laughs> like, is it, are we going to, it's, that is going to be a fun storyline. Cause it's like week one, are we starting behind the eight ball here? Or are we going to start on pace? Like what, what kind of pace are we going to start with? You know? Yeah. He and, needs to get going out of the gate. Cause how many points? Okay. So how many points would that be? That's, uh, I mean, that's 300 points on the year, right? To average 25 wow. for, for 12 games. Yeah. So it's just every week, every touchdown, we're, we're chopping them off. It's like last night on the uh, on, on LeBron's game, they had in the corner points to break the record, you know, 36, dropping it on down. Every week, there should be a little thing in the corner on Iowa games, points for Brian Ferentz to be retained. And every week, it drops down from 300, or someone should have a counter in the stadium or something like that, where we're just keeping track of this constantly. And they're going to be hammering. They're going to be throwing Hail Marys when they're up 24 to 7 at the end of the game. Two minutes left. They're coming out with their starters. Cade's coming, dropping back, and we're throwing bombs, I feel like. Can we talk? Cade McNamara was sold a very poor bill of goods. Are we? Can we, can we level there on some, at some point? Here's what I'll say. I, I am rooting so hard for the kid because yeah. he is in the worst situation ever a quarterback <laughs> could be in in Iowa football history. But, I just I love that he came out and he's like, yeah, it's going to be different. We're changing this year. That's okay. He's talking like I feel like I, I talked in, in college, so I can't get on him. I love the fucking confidence. But man, he is hammering this. Like, hey, we're 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 going to be different this year. We're 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 going we're going to get some touchdowns this year, man. Like he is every time he was just on Swarm podcast with mm-hmm. Taker. Love the confidence, but he is he's going after it. Same talking points every time. Right, like I can appreciate the optimism. There comes a point, you know, I know he wasn't here before. <laughs> but man, there's a lot of elements of this that have been here for a very long time, my brother, you know? So it's like, there is just, man, I'd be just saying, Hey, you know what? I hope we come out and play well, especially from, from his perspective. It's like, he's not been here before, you know, he's like, I'm not worried about that. But the idea of like constantly making the statement, it's like, Oh, it's going to be different. Yeah. It's going to be better. It's like, well, there's not much indication besides what you're saying that it's going to be any different. Especially like, can we get like a couple of like good receivers or some linemen, like that are set in stone for next year? You know what I mean? Right. It's like they got a quarterback, then they get two tight ends. Yeah. And like I, I don't even know who else they got, but I think they, I think I saw they got like six starter quality players. But can we get a full roster first, and then then we can come guns a blazing? Right. Well, and then again, and like. Every year when you're relying on your offense to be the way that it is, like you have you're assuming you have to have a great defense again. And it's like you can't be anything but great defensively, you know? So it's like if you just have one year where you're just like solid, all of a sudden it's like, what happens now? You know? I don't I know. Think, I've always thought it's funny how the diverse situations with football, Iowa football and the basketball team, like Iowa basketball has been notorious for having by numbers the worst defenses in the country and then you flip it on the football side and they're just awful on defense or awful on offense every single year it's pretty funny you just need to combine the mentalities of the two programs and you will all of a sudden have a national championship level program yeah that's all that's all you need to do it's it's really simple if you think about it It, hey we figured it out right here (laughs) how hard can it be how hard can it be uh all of our basketball conversation on the podcast is brought to you by sweet caroline's kitchen and cocktails on main street in ames it's the perfect place to go before or after iowa state home games anytime the cyclones are on the road or anytime the hawkeyes are in action it's a great spot for late night fun with a southern inspired menu with a great collection of burgers sandwiches wings and of course caroline's famous fried chicken the atmosphere is incredible with plenty of tvs to watch any game on your radar and there's a party room available for rent for your next big gathering that's sweet caroline's kitchen and cocktails at 316 main street in ames the presenting sponsor of all of our basketball conversation right here on the podcast. Uh, last thing I was just, what's the, uh, what's the message to, you know, you're an assistant coach, you're on the bench, you're, you're sending the guys out. They got to go guard Zach Eady. What's the advice? What's the last, what's the last minute advice? God be with you. Yeah. 
Be well. Be well. You've done you've done swell, my friend. Good luck. <laughs> we all I mean, we're all behind you. What what all it's just a little pick me up. It's not even it's not even anything coaching at that point. You, no, no, it's you got this. Yeah, you you got this, guys. In the exact tone. Hey, try your best. <laughs> That's the worst thing a coach could say. He looks you he comes out, he pulls you back, he says, Hey. I just want to see you do your best, all right? I hate that's that. all. That's all anybody can ask for is play your hardest. Play your hardest and no one will ever be mad. Right. Nobody will ever be mad, of course. Uh, all right, let's talk briefly about Iowa State. They had uh, a big win over Kansas on Saturday at, Allen, or at, uh, at, at Hilton Coliseum. They did play West Virginia Wednesday night, so we're not going to talk a ton about the Cyclones. Uh, what do you think of the, the win over Kansas, uh, the bounce back after the back-to-back losses? I called it, I called it, I called it, I called it. If only people took my betting. I, I should have put a little betting advice, like they were going to just kill Oh, me. you bet on Iowa State for ones and one? No, 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 I didn't, I didn't. But I'm saying oh. what I said last week about how it was a awakening call for yeah, 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 yeah. against Texas Tech that they are going to play really well. I should have. You should have. Uh, man, I, I thought Iowa State basically did what I expected they would in that game. Yeah, like it just seemed like that was not them those last ten minutes at Texas Tech. So I just did, I expected them to be refocused. Yeah. Uh, I'm just not sure how good Kansas is either right now. That's kind of what I've come away. I've watched them in person twice now, and I just both times I walked away. I was just like, man, I mean they're good, but I've seen much better Kansas teams uh, before. So it's like it was a good win for Iowa State, but it was a game that they should win, especially being at home. Yeah, I, I would say played well. Um, I think that kind of awakening alarm was sounded big time after the Texas Tech loss and the week they had before. Um, in regards, and I'm not worried about Iowa State at all. I think they'll, I'll think they'll end up being, if not the best team in the Big Twelve, and they'll make a good run in the NCAA tournament. The thing with Kansas is kind of the thing with the whole NCAA basketball this year. There's just not a lot of great teams. And there's just a lot of opening on the possibilities of what could happen in each of these conferences and each of these respective teams. And Big 12 is one outlier, I feel like, because the Big 12 is outright the best conference in, conference in the whole country this year. But when you look down the line, like ACC, we got Pittsburgh up top. There's three teams after that that are ranked. And um, there's a huge drop-off after the middle of the pack in the ACC. Big 10 is kind of similar. There's a bunch of you know, mediocre teams in the middle of the pack. Um, Big East is a crapshoot right now. I mean, UConn won a really great run, and they sucked, and then now they're back. Creighton's doing the same thing. Marquette's obviously really good this year, but there's just not a lot of great teams that I see that are for sure the better team when they come in night in and night out. And I think Kansas – that's why they're struggling because they have two teams right now. They have a team that plays unbelievable, can play unbelievable at home. Obviously, they played like shit a couple games ago at home, but and then they have a game like against Iowa State where they just get absolutely dismantled on both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see teams in the past that have made deep runs in the NCAA tournament had that happen before. So I think this is why. I, mean, I feel like we say it every year, but the NCAA March Madness this year, this is. I don't know who to pick on any of these games when they get matched up because you really don't know this here. I think there's a lot of teams out there that are one guy away, you know, like, I don't know if that's because of the distribution of talent for whatever reason or what it is, but there's just, it feels like there's a bunch of teams that are just like one player away from all, from being great, you know? And I think Purdue maybe is the only one that you could throw into that category that I've watched this year that you'd like when they're playing well, it's like, that's a great team. But that's more because of the one guy than it is because of anybody else. Like, you take the one guy off that team, and they're nothing special. They're not bad, but it's like, I don't know that they would be maybe a top 25 team. Like, I don't know. But it just is – there's no teams that feel like they've got that dynamic duo, you know, of like two great players that really play together really well. And, I mean, you think about, you know, even a team like North Carolina – I don't know if you watched them play Duke Saturday night, but like that team is, yeah. that team is, is not a good team, no. you know? And it, 
any of these situations where you're seeing multiple guys who are getting their bag or like they've got to share the ball and like things like that like it just it seems like there's just some intense situations with some of these big name programs right now where for whatever reason what they're trying to do is not working and it just is it's left us with a uh, an absence of or a void of, of a great team it feels like yeah and then there there's not i don't want to diss the talent too i mean you brought up a lot of great points there's a lot of great players still out there like there's yeah that's what i mean it's talent. like the distribution of talent yeah. across the teams is more spread out than what it normally is to where then there's just like there's not the accumulation of eight mcdonald's all-americans and four high-level transfers at kentucky you know exactly. yeah. yeah yeah and i think I mean, maybe in the end, in a couple of years, transfer portal NIL, this is kind of the the beginning of this. Uh, it's going to continue to widen that gap or shrinking the gap of great teams and good teams. And right now it seems like everyone's uh, okay, good team this year. And even Purdue, like, I look at Purdue, I don't see them making a huge run just based off their backcourt play. They have a lot of unexperienced guards. They have freshman guards that are starting. And – they have a really great player on the inside, but they rely on those guards to get them the ball. So, um, and like you said, there's just a lot of teams that are just one one player away from being outright unbeatable. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. I'm excited to watch Big Twelve. Big Twelve is gonna be the best conference to watch the conference champion uh, tournament this year, and everything after that is just gonna be a war to make the NCAA tournament. All right, I'm gonna look at this the Big Twelve standings right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, like you think about the first night in Kansas City. Uh, so it would be like the seven, eight, nine, ten seeds, and this, these are the four teams I would be playing. Oklahoma State would play Texas Tech, and then West Virginia would play Oklahoma. Uh, there's at least two NCAA tournament teams right there, and then I think both of those games would be fantastic for the fact that they're the four worst teams in the conference you compare that to just about any other league in america it's like a quarterfinal game you know and that's that's the first night of the tournament that's to see who gets to play in the rest of the tournament you know and those teams are the desperate teams too so you're gonna see i mean shit west virginia could come out and win the whole thing because of just their whole season's on the line. Obviously, Iowa State and Kansas and the guys at the top, TCU, everyone at the top is going to play their best basketball. But, man, their seasons aren't on the line like some of these guys are, are on the bubble or close to making the NCAA tournament. And that's what – I mean, look at Georgetown a few years ago. They just came out and didn't win a yeah. game in conference play and won the tournament. That's why I think it makes it so special, especially the Big 12 this year. There's just so many great teams. I don't think Georgetown's going to make a – a run like that that this year ever again it, well I'm, i don't know if i would say never again but i i would be very surprised if patrick ewing is still the coach at georgetown next year i think uh fun fact for you there's only one team in the top 20 on ken palm that has a losing record in conference play do you know who it is one team that has a losing record in conference play that's ranked in the top 20 on ken palm um who is it? It's West Virginia. They're three and seven in Big Twelve. Is... In Big Twelve play, they started Big Twelve play zero and five, and they're in the top twenty on Kempo. They're a good team too, like a really sound team. Obviously, they always struggle offense, just how hard they play on defense. But man, I would hate to see a West Virginia team postseason play. Yeah, hate, hate to. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, we got a couple other things that we wanted to get to. Uh, Jim Beheim can't go i mean he can't go a week at this point without something uh but he now he told espn's pete thamel i think on saturday that he's coming back for the 2023-24 season that's the that's the beginning but in the in the process of this he uh dropped a bomb saying quote this is an awful place we're in in college basketball he said pittsburgh bought a team okay fine my big donor talks about it but he doesn't give anyone any money nothing not one guy our guys make like twenty thousand dollars wake forest bought a team miami bought a team it's like really this is where we are that's really where we are and it's only going to get worse uh, as you can imagine, Jim has uh, backpedaled significantly on some of these comments that he made. 
uh, one, because they're ridiculously and monumentally fucking stupid. Uh, but then two, uh, because I think that most of them were blatantly false as well. Uh, first of all, this is exactly what we were just talking about last week with Jim Beheim. Like, I love that we said that these coaches that can't adjust and that they refuse to acknowledge or accept the fact that the times have changed. And then Jim Beheim literally went out and bitched about the facts that the time, the fact that the times have changed. And it just, I, I was like, if there was anybody that was going to do this, it was going to be him. I mean, is there's no one else that was going to have the audacity to say some shit like this right now. And I don't know. Respect, I suppose. Uh, the show goes on with Jim as he, he's going to be back at Syracuse next year. I'm sure Syracuse will finish below 500 and uh, and not get any closer to getting their basketball program back on the right track. This fucking guy, man. I, I guess this is the ultimate him screaming, this old guy screaming at a cloud to stop raining. Like, you are making millions of dollars a year and you are screaming about the state of college basketball right now. Right. After you killed a guy too. Like you shouldn't even <laughs> possibly shouldn't even be coaching right now, but that's a different topic. Jim also had a significant number of wins vacated for NCAA violations for yeah. uh, allegedly giving benefits to student athletes. Uh that's the uh, crazy part. Like it, everyone, when it was illegal, like, <laughs> and everyone knows, like the coaches know that he's okay. He, I, I'm not going to defame the guy, but I mean, the evidence is not looking too great against him that he, there's been players in his past that have gotten extra benefits. I mean, there's no, I don't know anything, but I'm just saying I would be really surprised if Carmelo Anthony just wanted to go to upstate New York. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Like, think about some of the guys that we've had come through this program, okay? There's nothing going on in Syracuse, New York that is worth moving to fucking Syracuse, New York for. Nothing. No. It don't matter how good that basketball coach is. It no. does not matter. No. It, but I... these guys kept doing it. So it's like, but my favorite part of it was, this is my favorite part, where he says, my big donor talks about it, but he doesn't give anyone any money. Nothing. Not one guy. Our guys make like $20,000. So our guys get nothing. But we do give them the 20 We give them the 20,000. We give them 20,000. Nothing after that. Nothing after that. It is no, done. Just 20,000. 20,000. We give 20,000 to these guys that are like multiple games below 500 in ACC play. Okay. Disregard the fact that we do give them the 20. Yeah. They're four and 10. Okay. They are above 500, seven and six in the ACC. They're going to like need to go to the ACC conference championship game or something like that to make the NCAA tournament, which somehow they probably will do because this is what Syracuse does each and every year. Uh, but it's like, we don't give those guys anything. We don't buy our team. We give them only 20,000 and then they go out and they finish 500. The great thing, too, about this whole thing is Miami was playing last night. I don't know if you saw. I did, yeah. Jim Miami Miami, head yeah, coach yeah. flashed his, bill, his, his money clip to the camera. I don't know if it was accidental or on purpose, but, man, how? If that was on purpose, that is the greatest all-time troll job because they're just killing uh, – uh, Duke. They yeah, Duke. they're just yeah. killing Duke. And, oh, just killing him. Yeah. And just flash to the head coach, and he's, he's looking at his money clip. Uh, so I actually did see an interview with him that he said, he said he's, it was really funny how he explained the whole thing. He said like, he's a very routine based person so that every day he puts his stuff in the same pockets and he was looking for like a note that not nor wouldn't normally be in his pockets. So he was pulling everything out of his pockets to find this note. Cause he couldn't remember which pocket he'd put it in. So that's why he pulled his money clip out. And that's what he did. Yeah. So that's what he says. That's what he says. Uh, but the best part, like the, another one of the good parts about this, like Miami, if we want to accuse Miami of buying their team, we might have some ground to stand on in that case. There might be a, there may be a case to be made Pittsburgh. No, Definitely probably not a case to be made there. Wake Forest, definitely no case to be made at Wake Forest, man. Like that, I think they've got a pretty good team, but I don't think, where do you think the money's flowing from out there? You know, it, uh, it made me pretty sick to see Jim Beheim talk about Lone Tree, Iowa native Steve Forbes like that. Mm, good point.
I, I just have a problem with the guy. I think, I think, I don't know about you. We've talked about Bayheim at nauseum. I think it's time. We need, we need to close the file on Jim Bayheim. He needs to be one investigated <laughs> two retire and maybe, and three, maybe put in a home. Those, those three points put in a home. Oh, geez. But he's just saying this outrageous. How much, how much more is he going to say? You think I'm crazy for saying put him at home, but how much more outrageous stuff is he going to have to say for people to start questioning, okay, should this guy be ahead of a basketball team right now? A power five team. I mean, clearly he can do whatever the hell he wants to. I think that he set that precedent at this point. Yeah. Like there, it's, there's no, what more can he say? No, like there isn't anything more he's going to say. They're not going to fire him. They never will. Like they, they never will do. get rid of him. Who? He, he can only, he, I mean, say, yeah, but he's also done actions to prove he can do whatever as well. Right. Like he can do whatever the hell he wants to. And obviously the athletic director, the school president, like they don't, they're not going to do anything about it. And I, that's what I don't understand. Like they haven't done anything of note in like 10 years. I think they went to the final four one time where they were like an 11 seed and went on a run to the instant run to the final four. But it's like I don't. Need, I think I saw some. They haven't even been past the ACC tournament quarterfinals since they joined the ACC. So it's like this. It's not like they've been building great teams and just had bad luck. You know, they just haven't even had good teams. How long can you just not have a good team? What like what's the career achievement award at a place like Syracuse? It's apparently, a lot longer than I would have thought it would be. The I I just in the two the thing is too this year with the ACC watch this we're talking about this right now watch Syracuse end up winning the conference title and they go to the NCAA tournament that's what's yeah. gonna happen because ACC is so bad this year but he's complaining about how these teams are bought blows my mind it really does right it's like bro you can't even beat Wake Forest dog like that maybe you just can't beat Wake Forest that's like the how about we just acknowledge maybe there could just be another team that was built in a not nefarious way. You know, that might right. be better than yours. Right. Maybe it's because you're like 80 years old, my boy. Like, I don't know. I don't know. He's just an old guy, man. He needs to. He, he needs would, to you know, he would give us a very stern talking to if he ever could see us. We'd yeah. be like those student reporters. I would. If, <laughs> I can only imagine the questions I would ask him if we got him on a show. It would not last very long, I imagine, because it would it would be really hard for one of us to ask more than a couple questions before something something significant would come well, up. I would be respectful, but I would be like, I'd be I'd be poking. Yeah, you know, you're poking around. Yeah, just seeing yeah. how we, you know, trying to open some doors, see what yeah. we can get. Yeah, see what we can get to the bottom see of. See where his buttons are. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. He is. Uh, he is something else. We just, we need to get like the last of those guys out of the game. Kind of, you know, like nothing well, he, against, I got all due respect to Jim Beheim, One of the best for a long time, but it's just time. It's time. Well, it's, it's bad. We have even have to talk about this because he is, he's been a historically a, a pretty good coach his whole career, but these guys are complaining about the system changing, man. No one's going to, be mad at you if you retire like you guys had a great career coach k like he got he was getting pissed off at the system and he went he went in the sunset i mean i think he's still coaching duke but that's okay behind the scenes now um he still has that corner office i think hey, it's not like it would be against precedent for coach k to leave this team you know and and leave someone else to take the bullets yeah it's not like that's never happened before you yeah. know Right, but yeah. I don't know. I think it's time for the, if they if they if these guys truly want the system, like they think it's fucked up, then just retire, man, because the system isn't changing. Man, if retirement's good enough for Coach K, if retirement's good enough for Roy Williams, for all those guys, it's good enough for you, Jim Beheim. Yeah, just move on my get man. on the horse and run run off in the sunset <laughs> yeah like you've sunset. done enough dude like you have nothing to prove anymore there's just what's the point you know people he said something about 95 percent of syracuse fans still want him and i find that very very hard to believe when they're barely going that is a high it. percentage yeah that no one has an like even like coach k probably didn't have a 95 percent approval rating with duke fans uh by the time that he was leaving either so no that that was crazy to me but Hey, at least Jim Beheim is just consistently really good podcaster 
uh, <laughs> material for some reason. Like for some reason, that's just the guy that wants to keep getting his, his name on the podcast. Uh, all right, last thing before we sign off: LeBron James last night becomes the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Uh, scored 38 against the Thunder to break Kareem's record. Uh, I think you wanted to talk about people holding their phones up, filming it. Is that is that what you wanted to talk about with LeBron? Yeah. So props to LeBron. Uh, that is a historically unreal accomplishment. And I've been a LeBron hater. I have, but I will say he is. I mean, he's a definition of greatness. He does things. He came in. Think about all the pressure he had coming out of high school, man. Like that is in itself to do what he's been doing, un- unbelievable. But. I have a hard time seeing. I'm about to share this picture with those of you guys who are watching on YouTube. The amount of people, man, that are watching this last second shot. I don't know if you can see it now. Oh, I got to put it on there. The amount of people that are watching this last second shot and every person has their phone out. I can't find one person in the whole. No, no, no. No, there is one. Phil Knight is sitting right there in the middle, right back uh, behind the defender's leg. See, right Phil there Knight. in the middle. Yep. Yeah. Props to Phil Knight. That is un- that, that's actually unbelievable. He doesn't he's not doing anything. That is awesome. I, I mean, come on, that. man. You think Phil Knight needs to pull his phone out? But that's what I'm saying. Like, man, how do you because I bet these guys paid ten thousand to fifty thousand dollars for those seats right there. At and least, you're gonna take your phone yeah. out? Yeah, I just I'm all, I always just default to like that video you think you're shooting is not going to be near as cool as you think it is, you know, like I'm right. sure, I'm sure it'll be cool, but it just is, why wouldn't you just want to watch, you know, what do you think like you're there to just watch the game? Not there to be, you're not there to be the documentarian, you know, they, they pay people for that. It's okay. Right. It is, is there's a whole front row, like have cameras out. Like if you really want to, you can go and watch the video of him doing it. It'll be all over sports center, all over social media to watch it. And again, I've been I've been that guy when I was younger. I've I've like I went to Kobe Bryant's farewell tour. My brother got me tickets to see him in Chicago. And it was the coolest thing ever. I remember being showing up there to warm ups, and I was filming everything because I, I was like I'm the biggest Kobe Bryant guy ever. I wanted to be just like him when I was growing up. But the one thing I wish when I was back, I was like a sophomore or junior in high school. I don't I don't remember how old I was, but. Uh, I wish I could have gone back and just lived in the moment a little more. And now I feel like I'm realizing that as I'm older, I'm like, man, I don't need to record every single thing I do and go like, that is not what life's about to go back in your phone. Like, yeah. Okay. You look back 20 years, you have a memory of it, but I want to, I want to see it like in person and not have that ruined by a phone in my face. Cause you never really saw the moment in life. If, if you have a phone in your face. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand the behavior of that. That just is it. It's just weird to me. Anybody that's like, "Oh, we gotta take a million pictures of these things. We gotta take the video of it." Like, it, it it'll exist. You know, if it's supposed to exist, it'll be out there. It just is. And that's like know. the most black. Have you seen Black Mirror before? Uh, no, but that's just because that kind of shit freaks me out. So I don't want to watch that. That's like the most. That that could be an in the episode right there. Like how much our phones have taken over our lives. That's actually crazy. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm sure that is a Black Mirror episode. That probably already is one. Like, yeah. we already live a Black Mirror episode, dude. I don't need to watch that show. Or Simpsons. We live a Simpsons I, episode. I watch something to escape reality. I don't want to watch something that reminds me how fucked up reality is. Like, that just is, uh, that, that's not what I want. But, man, uh, no, LeBron, the great Amer- American success story, dude. Like, no one can argue with that for what he came up with single mom in Akron, Ohio to, to be able to do what he's done now, uh, and to do it with the, uh, with the, the things that people knock him for, for being only on the court, never had something off the court that like in his real life, you could knock him for, you know, and never been arrested. He's never been, you know, in trouble for anything. He's never had a bunch of baby mamas come out of the woodwork or anything like that. Like he just has been a, He's just a guy, man, you know, and he just happens to be really great at basketball. And I don't know. It uh, There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be really disappointed that they spent time either on their phones or spent time hating and being uh, petty and salty towards that guy when he's gone. Because I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to realize, like, damn, we kind of we missed out on 
seeing something special and really paying attention to something special that doesn't come around very often for some of the way that he's been treated over the years. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think another athlete, it's hard alone playing, you know, a few years at that, with that microscope on you, but it was basically his whole life. Like, yeah. I mean, same thing with some of the guys like Kobe Bryant and Michael, they were, they were kind of the same way. But I think those guys deserve a lot more respect, more than debate on who's the best between the two. And obviously everyone's always going to have opinions, but I think more people should credit them for how they've been able to just be functioning human beings because that in itself is so hard to have your day-to-day life be captured on a camera, be captured in a microscope every second you you go about your life and the fact that lebron james has been able to do everything he has as much as a critic i've been of him like you have to recognize the, the amount of greatness and, and the amount of good he has been to the game of basketball uh so kareem wrote this he wrote something uh today or well probably not today but posted it today after lebron broke the record that i thought was uh was really good you can find that out there but there was a passage here that i uh, that i wanted to read because he was explaining you know a lot of people have talked about kareem and wondering how kareem would feel when the record got broken and uh i think there were a lot of people who thought he would be bitter towards lebron for for breaking the record uh but he writes here um Whenever a sports record is broken, including mine, it's time for celebration. It means someone has pushed the boundaries of what we thought was possible to a whole new level. And when one person climbs higher than the last person, we all feel like we're capable of being more. Uh, That is the magic of sports, to see something seemingly impossible, reminding us that if one person can do it, then we all somehow share in that accomplishment, is what sends children onto the playground to duplicate a LeBron layup or a Steph Curry three-pointer or Mia Hamm inspiring a whole generation of girls to come off the bleachers and onto the field. Millions of children across the country pushing themselves toward excellence because they saw an athlete do something spectacular and they want to do it too, or at least try. That same kind of drive is behind many of humankind's greatest achievements, and it's all exceptionally glorious. Here's the main reason I don't care that much about my record being broken. Uh, I'm no, and he just like, talks about how he's old. He doesn't have, uh, you know, doesn't care about that with basketball anymore. But it just is, he it talks about how LeBron embodies that, that, wonder that you can get from sports because he's so incredible as an athlete because he's been so driven because we've seen him come from where he was at when he was 16 17 18 years old in akron to where he is right now and he has so rarely like really let you down you know as a as a superstar and it's really like there's the the decision which was 12 years ago or 13 years ago almost now and then losing in the finals sometimes where it took like a super teams assembling a super team at golden state for them to be able to beat him and knock the balance of power back into order with what he had done to the league. And it just, he is, he is, he is that like what you wonder it would be if you combine everything, you know, and put him in one person, that's LeBron James, the business, the, uh, the acumen, the understanding of, of what it takes to be a great winner in addition to being a great individual player. I mean, we're never going to see another one like him, you know, and it's just as, uh, it's pretty cool to see him break that record last night though. I do love how, how, how outgoing Kareem has been for LeBron. I think that's special to see a brotherhood like that continue to be established in the NBA because I feel like, just everyone in this society now are just so jealous of people and getting accomplishments themselves or breaking records or getting a new bonus or a promotion in their job. And everyone's just so jealous of those people doing that and themselves not being able to accomplish that or falling short. And to see a guy that has, has had the record and is looking down now to LeBron that's at, at the top and continue to support not only himself, but the entire league on coming out with a statement like that. I think that sets great boundaries and a great future for the future generation of basketball players. And honestly, like future generations of human beings, because 
people shouldn't be jealous about other people's accomplishments. Like you should use that as motivation, as inspiration, or just continue to make your day better one, one day at a time. And I feel like a lot of us have lost that in the past few years, especially. And that, that's cool to see Kareem to do that. Yeah. And one of the best things I saw, like that came out after the game was I saw a video of LeBron sitting at, uh, at his locker with, with his two sons, Bronny and Bryce. And he looks at him, he says, which one of you is going to break it now? You know, and that, like, that's what it's about. You know, it's someone does something and then now people are going to tell us or we'll, people like us are going to tell people for 40 years, no one's breaking that record. No one's breaking that record. And then one day, all of a sudden somebody does, you know, and it just is, it, it's always pushing us past what you believe is possible. You know, no one thought it was possible for a player to be as great as what LeBron has been for as long as he has been to the point that he is as old as he is now. It just is, that's not going to happen. It never was going to happen again. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know that that will ever, I'm going to be one of those guys. I don't know how soon that record will ever be broken because he's going to keep playing and he's going to get that thing well over 40,000 and is going to put that thing way out of reach for whoever it is that has to chase that thing next. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I agree with you, but that's what makes sports so great too is the uncertainty and the lack of knowing what's, what's next. Like you don't know what, the basketball is going to look like in 30 years and 40 years, you know, there could be, yeah, once we had the, once we had the four point line, right. <laughs> yeah. we're going to need to put an asterisk on it. That's what I'm going to be. That guy, this needs an asterisk. Every <laughs> record needs an asterisk from now on. Cause it was after whatever different rule change or something. Yeah. All right, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again next week or we'll see you on Sunday at, uh, out there at Wellman's with our friends from circus sports. I uh, hope to see everybody else out there hanging out with us for the game. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace. Iowa everywhere.